anybody there? Hey, how's it going? Hey, good. Matthew, how you doing? I'm not bad. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Let me just get the camera going. Cool. I was going to say, I'm uh, looking for a good spot. We recently sort of moved, and there's not a... <laughs> excellent spot to do this okay and i had a spot and then my mother-in-law showed up so they're down there with the kids and stuff like that so now i'm upstairs but hey no worries no worries this is very low key you sound really good and as long as you feel comfortable there that's that's totally cool so how's everything going you're over in vermont is that right yeah we just recently moved i've lived in new hampshire pretty much my whole life um we just yeah we just recently moved you know across the river (laughs) Oh, goodness. So that's still kind of like your your main area, sort of a an area that you're familiar with, right? Yeah, yeah. We didn't really, I mean, we moved like 20 minutes away, basically, is what it was. <laughs> it's actually closer to her job and about the same distance to mine, so it's fine. <laughs> so it kind of worked out. Okay. Well, man, I'm really excited to get to chat with you about your work. You're an educator and a writer, and, and you're doing a lot of cool stuff. I'm curious if you could tell me a little bit more about how you get started in the world. Tell me about your home turf. Tell me about New Hampshire, Vermont, and uh, where you find writing, when you find writing. Cool. Yeah. No, and I think the interesting thing about those questions is they all kind of kind of pull together into one entity in a sense. Um, yeah. So where we're living currently is is really about, uh, I don't know, about 10 or 15 minutes from where I grew up, actually, which is kind of cool. Uh, like I said, just across the river. Um, and, you know, I find that uh, a lot of my writing, not all of my writing, but a lot of my writing centers around uh, or has a sort of natural component to it. Uh, and I grew up on a like a, a farm. We never like milked the cows or anything. So it was more like a meat farm or whatever. But um you know, it's like a farm and we did like hang and stuff like that. So, um, so I think sort of all those kind of, uh, natural kind of either animal or nature or plant or whatever, that sort of stuff kind of plays into my writing in different facets, which I think is pretty interesting. Uh, I was in, enjoyed writing from a young age. I was scribbling stories and stuff like that. I was used the the turn of phrase, turn of phrase, like spiral bound notebooks and stuff like that, you know, writing novels and spiral bound notebooks and, <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's kind of where it starts for a lot of people. You know, I remember, you know, like it was probably hmm, sixth grade. I think one of my friends and I, you know, both were doing that. Basically we'd, we'd have these notebooks and we'd just fill them up with stories and then kind of bounce ideas off of each other. And then, you know, different people from the class would want to read the next chapter or mm. whatever it was. And <laughs> it's, you know, I don't know, it's a pretty interesting process. And then, um, you know, I'd say all the way up through, you know, high school, uh, I wrote like a pretty terrible novel. I still have saved somewhere on my computer and it just kind of, <laughs> you know, 200 pages of, you know, what, what I would call terrible right now. But like, yeah, you know, at yeah. the time I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Do you remember what it was about? What, what you were into uh, or maybe writing sort of, uh, spin off horror, you know, some sort of psycho killer sort of thing like that. <laughs> Very, I was very into Stephen King, and I still am. You know, he's still one of my favorite writers. And mm-hmm. so it was definitely had kind of that sort of vibe to it. <laughs> definitely somewhere maybe on the back burner, you know. I don't know if I'd use the whole thing at all, but maybe chop up some turn of phrase or something like that here or there, <laughs> whatever. You know, scrapyard for parts or something. Right. I took a couple writing classes in college, and then 
I'd say after college, just, you know, between working two jobs and, you know, hanging out with a uh, girlfriend now currently wife. Um, yeah, there just wasn't a ton of time for writing. Yeah. So I sort of <laughs> left it for about five years, to be honest. Um, mm. And I'd write, you know, kind of very, very, let's say inconsistently, very, very inconsistently. <laughs> like almost never. Um, and then picked it up pretty, pretty heavy back in 2021 and that's okay. sort of when the the current sort of i hope it's i don't think it's a phase now but like the current the you matthew know. renaissance yeah the matthew I was, renaissance i was gonna exactly, say matthew right? sans but it, it sounds yeah it, it still doesn't drive it doesn't work well yeah i don't think <laughs> yeah pretty much everything you know that uh, you know anybody's read by me was written you know let's say october 2021 to now you know mm. basically all that stuff was written in there yeah. So it just been kind of a burst of energy and it's still thankfully still going. <laughs> yeah, that's but. a wonderful thing because this is something that I'm very interested in, which is the balancing act. And sometimes by balancing act, I mean, we have to step away from the creative pursuit for some number of years or some time because we have to get some things squared away, especially with a partner, with a family, with careers or, or jobs. When you were going to school, you said you had two jobs. What were you doing in that time? You know, through college and stuff, I'd substitute teach. I, that's, I mean, pretty much all I did there. You know, that wasn't exactly what I was referencing. But after college, you know, um, my, you know, current, my wife right now and uh, I had been dating for a couple of years and I didn't see myself sort of like moving out of the general area because she was ingrained here. We were both mm -hmm. ingrained here. Um, and she was currently starting up school after a prior career pursuit. So I applied for a bunch of teaching jobs in the area and actually didn't get anything. Mm. So then I was a, um, a paraeducator uh, sort of in a, in a kindergarten room, which was completely different from what I went to school with, you know, for because I went for secondary education, ah, you know, like okay. middle school, high school, English, basically. And then I, you know, I was a para in this kindergarten room and it was more about like tying shoes and, you know, wiping noses and stuff like that. More foundational things as they would yeah, say. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Um, so, you know, so I worked there during the day and then while she was going to college classes, she was doing, um, you know, hairdressing on the side, which is, you know, what she initially did right after high school. She went to beauty school and did that. You know, she was doing that at night. So I picked up an additional job as a pizza delivery guy. <laughs> so uh, I yeah, did that. You were for grinding. About, you were doing the. Yeah, about three years. Um, work. Yeah. Definitely some interesting stories came out of, you know, that. And then I worked uh, in a kitchen at Longhorn, too. Mm. There's definitely some sort of, uh, <laughs> let's say, flex and, and stuff like that sprinkled in from those jobs into at least one of my books. I don't know. The second one, I guess, wouldn't be in there. But <laughs> yeah. So actually, this is a good moment to talk about that. That first book, which was Daydreams, Obsessions and Re Realities, right? Yeah. So yeah. Were you working towards this book at the time or, or is this something that came to you much later as part of this Matthew Renaissance? It's so funny because I think one of the other sort of like sentences or whatever I gave you is that I just work on like a bunch of stuff at, at the same time, pretty much. And, you know, when I had this sort of like, let's say like huge spurt of ideas, I just started writing down, you know, all these stories and they were just kind of spewing out of me, you know, whether it was, you know. 3000 words one night or, you know, uh, mm -hmm. 1500 another night or whatever it was. And then I just, you know, edit them all. And then I finally had this huge chunk of stories and I'd never really submitted anything anywhere. 
And then I started showing them to my wife and she's like, these are really good. Why don't you send them out to somebody? And I was like, yeah, I guess I'll try it out. You know, might as well. So then I sent them out and, you know, started getting some acceptances and stuff. And that's, you know, where I started kind of jigsawing the ones together that went together and mm-hmm. stuff. And um, some of the, I don't want to call them collections because some of them aren't done, but some of the things I was working on at that time are still kind of in progress. The interesting thing about uh, Daydreams, Obsessions, Realities is because it it has kind of like a looser, uh, I still see it as an arc in a sense, but it has like a looser sort of uh, collection of pieces than mm-hmm. say my second book, because that follows a set of narrators uh, and oh, it sort of tells one story through like five narrators. I mean, I saw that book actually being like the first one that was going to get finished. And then it was interesting that I had this whole collection of stories. And I was like, I kind of see some common themes. And like I said, kind of like a loose plot arc in a sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people might find that in in Daydreams, Obsessions, Realities. Um, And I really like the concept of pulling in a little poetry in a sense to make to kind of I don't know if it like fills in the gaps between this kind of, like I said, sort of abstract plot line but i kind of liked it better with the poetry than just short stories because i had assembled it both ways and it just felt better to me as a hybrid collection than it did just as a collection of short stories and i don't i don't know if that's just personal preference or you know um right and just to clarify we are still talking about some ideas that came to the first collection and maybe leading on to the second one as well right which is your latest work, and I believe that one is Oil Stains Like Rorschach's. Is that correct? Yes. That's the yeah, brand exactly. new one. Brand new. Yeah, November. Okay. Yeah, so October, like I said, October 2021, I just sort of you know, started throwing all these ideas on paper, basically. Um, and then I even had, I still have the document, additional stories to be completed, basically. And it just has a whole bunch of like, you know, one sentence, two sentence ideas that'll turn into something eventually. Mm. So I was just, you know, kind of whatever one I wanted to work on, I'd work on, you know, this story or that story or whatever. And Oil Stains is still a collection of, um, well, short stories, uh, poems, and it also has art from Cody Sexton too, mm. um, the the managing editor of uh, Thin Slice of Anxiety there. Also the one that published the book. But um, a piece in that book may have been written in, you know, let's say like, December, early December of 2021. And then I was, you know, busy sort of like assembling that prior to sending it to him. Uh, when did I send it to him? It must have been March 2022, I guess. You know, so the pieces were all kind of written in, in a four or five month span. It was 2020, I think, was when I started the whole writing train, I guess, not 2021. Because mm-hmm. uh, Daydreams was published in 2021. Sorry. <laughs> Getting my okay. timeline yeah, mixed up good. there. That's good. Um, Yes. I mean, I still have a couple other uh, collections, too, that are kind of have been all filling in the gaps, kind of, if that makes sense, yeah. you know, uh, with different stories and stuff like that. But Daydreams, you know, I saw it uh, when I put it together. I sort of saw, like I said, this abstract arc. I saw some common themes. Uh, the stories all just seemed to work well together. And then, you know, my initial draft, I had one additional story. And then I had my wife read through it and I was sort of hesitant about the one story being in there and I didn't know if it belonged. And she said the exact same thing. So I was like, oh, that's what I was thinking too. And just axed it. I really liked the story. 
But um, yeah. So yeah, let me ask you this sense. because I have so many questions that I want to ask you. I'm I'm trying to keep yeah. track of a couple of things. But the first yeah. thing that I want to ask you is, was there something going on in your life that you look back on that collection? You say maybe this is the through line that was going into the stories from my life. It was there something that you felt was working its way into the work that maybe subconsciously was giving it that framework or, or do you not think like that? Do you think it's more methodical or maybe more structural? Like, no, this is just what feels right rather than a subconscious release of something that's happening in your life. Yeah. I mean, I think it's sort of probably a combination of both. I mean, I've, I've always sort of stood by the concept of, you know, even if the piece is, let's say as far into fiction as you can go as far away from our sort of like normal reality as you can go, Say like something super hardcore science fiction or whatever you want to put far away from reality. Um, you know, I, I still think that there's, you know, fragments of truth in there, you know? And so with anything I write, you know, I feel like there's something personal in there, whether anybody even sees it or not, you know, um, you know, whether it's, you know, a theme, one of the narratives dealing with, whether it's, you know, like I said, a setting, whether it's, you know, uh, characters that are, you know, pulled from, you know, fragments of them are pulled from, you know, people in my life or myself or whatever. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, with what you're saying, sort of like a kind of like a, a driving plot line through, I mean, I definitely think that a lot of the stories deal with change in there. And I think that, you know, everybody was sort of dealing with change when the pandemic came around. So I think, you know, mm. maybe that's why a lot of that writing kind of came out like that. Um, yeah. I mean, we also, uh, <laughs> Fortunately or unfortunately, uh, sold a home like right before the housing boom, like right before the pandemic thing there. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> wow. And and then um, we're in the process of buying, but couldn't really find anything. So we actually moved in with my mom for a while. So we had like that change. And then we were there for longer than we intended. So then we moved into an apartment. So it was like all this kind of change, you know, over, uh, you know, the span of, let's say like a year or two. And I don't know if that was what eventually jarred all the writing just in general, you know, yeah. just this concept of, you know, not exactly being, I mean, we're still in our everyday in a sense, but like, you know, the location was changing pretty frequently, let's say. <laughs> yeah. And, and having experienced something similar to that, those are massive changes that really test you as a, as a person. And if you take on the uh, I guess the personality or responsibility of a provider or whatever, you know, there's a lot of feelings that might come from being in those situations. So definitely I can imagine that being a, a point of maybe I, I would say not stress or something like, you know, there's some psychological stuff happening here, but, but rather just something that you need to express and let out into the world. And then it takes on this other form, like it transforms and becomes this beautiful collection. But the curious thing about this, and I I want you to expand a little bit on this idea of using different forms to bridge together a narrative or to bridge together something that fits, because this is really interesting to me. I'm attracted to this idea of poetry and flash fiction and maybe other forms working together to create a cohesive thing. How do you arrive at that? What's the, the thing that draws you into that? If you could expand a little bit more. When I initially sort of went on, you know, this like you know, whatever renaissance or spurt or whatever <laughs> it was, you know, with the writing, uh, it was initially almost all fiction based, uh, which had been 
that been pretty much my mo anyways you know when i was doing writing I'd, I'd written some poetry you know in college and stuff like that and i never felt like it was very good anyways so going from you know going from just primarily fiction and then and then just having some ideas that i thought would be expressed better in the poetic form i think that's kind of where it started uh so then i, I ended up arriving at you know, some of these poems that I really like too. And then you have, you know, the pieces of fiction and the poetry, and they all sort of kind of drive at similar ideas, I guess was my initial concept, you know, kind of like walking through like an art gallery or something, you know, you might have different types of art Mm -hmm. there, you know, you might have some realistic, some expressionist, right? Some, uh, you know, abstract or whatever, but they all might drive at sort of similar concepts, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So when I, started to assemble the collection i think when i assembled the initial hybrid collection there was a sense that i wanted a storyline kind of even though the stories didn't all have the same narrators and didn't all have the same sort of like setting and all of that so i kind of wanted a storyline and that was my initial thought process in weaving in the poetry because i felt it gave it like sort of an an abstract abstract sort of ambiguity in a sense you know to kind of i don't know if it was sort of smooth the lines between the stories or or how you would put that do i think the collection would work without the poetry maybe um you know i think i think i do definitely like it better like i said you know with the poetry but um and then to sort of expand on that i i really like the concept of pairing art with words even though you know i myself am a terrible artist and at least in my own perspective (laughs) i think that it was a really cool process for me to send a collection to cody with just words and then he takes kind of like a general idea of what i was thinking for the art and he creates these cool visuals you know he's taken a couple couple i think pictures and put them online i could probably flash a couple of them to you yeah sure so i mean the second collection sort of centers around um a mechanics shop uh, and this guy Brooks and he sort of takes in in a sense like wayward youths Mm. and kind of acts as like a father figure in a sense, um, which I think ties closely to teaching too. And I think that maybe that's sort of what draws those, you know, obviously parenting and stuff too, uh, I think, (laughs) but knowing that I work with like a lot of, you know, students between let's say like the age of like, you know, 15 and 18, you know, like a pretty vulnerable, I think age and, Mm -hmm. And a lot of like the narrators in a sense have an aspect of that high school age in them. I don't know if I'm veering from your question, but I, no, I like it's the perfect. concept of, yeah, I like the concept of his art enhancing the words that are already there. Like I like the stories and I like the poems and, and in a sense, I feel like the poems add an abstract sense to what the stories yeah, I mean, the, the stories have abstract nature to them, too. But I feel like the poetry kind of frames the collection in a sense. And then you have, you know, the stories that tell most of the actual kind of like physical plot and, and about the characters and all that. And then you have his his art, which is sort of like his interpretation of the the stories, which I think is really mm-hmm. cool. So I don't know if that really answers the question, up, but <laughs> but it. it... It does, but it opens other questions that I'm interested about. And for a moment, I want to ask you about the way that you're processing a lot of information. I think I really feel like you're kind of on a similar wavelength that that I usually am, which is you're looking for things that will stick. And so you're actively sort of throwing things 
at the wall and then maybe cataloging them or so, in some way or feeling to see what's actually going to land to yeah. become something else, like a story or a poem or something. Could you tell me a bit about how that process works for you? If you could share some thoughts on that. How do you make this stuff exist, especially when you have other stuff going on in your life? What's the thought process now that has made you so effective in 2021 onward rather than what came before? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think, like I said, a, a lot of it is just a matter of actually putting stuff to paper. I feel like I, I mean, I could be completely wrong about this, but I feel like I always had like quite a few ideas and then you know so wanting to tell stories was always pretty natural to me that's why i'm so surprised that i had that like five-year gap where just i guess there was just absolutely no time mm. really i mean i feel like i have pretty little time right now too and i'm still fitting <laughs> it in you know with uh i have a, a four-year-old and then i mean she's almost four and then uh you know the other one's like almost one and a half so it's like oh, super yeah. busy and then, you know, with school and grading and all that sort of stuff, I, I basically just, you know, people ask me when I have time to write and I say, I just don't sleep. You <laughs> well, <know? laughs> yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to stop you right there because you mentioned your, your kids are that young. When my child was about that age, I don't remember a thing. Yeah. You know, I had a job and obviously raising just one and that alone seemed like, I don't even know where I am half the time. And so for you to do this, I think it's a testament to, the willpower that is necessary to make things happen and bring that forward because that is like the more I talk to people, especially the really busy ones like yourself, that's like the only thing that matters is believing that you can sort of overcome certain things. Not to say that you got to hustle, you know, 24 seven or whatever, but sorry, I, I didn't mean to interject, but it just feels like this has to be said. Sometimes you just need that little extra push to manifest this stuff yeah no I, I totally agree with that like i just didn't i mean and maybe it was a, a maturity thing too yeah. you know because as i said earlier i never even really submitted anything i did submit uh after writing two short stories in college i submitted each one to one journal <laughs> and then they got rejected once and then i put it on a you know <laughs> on a hold as far as the submitting stuff goes. And I, and I hadn't read enough about the submission process and I was just, you know, I probably sent them to, I think they were probably like really big magazines or whatever too. And, mm -hmm. you know, and the stories looking back at them now, you know, weren't as polished as the stuff that I'm writing yeah. now. I mean, or whatever, you know, that's a really good point too, because it, just two things real quick. There's so much growing that happens when you become a parent and it sort of put, puts things into perspective for you. You get a kind of clarity and there's nothing wrong with like taking a, a break. And if you get your, if you're a parent or you're providing or taking care of another human being, you know, other than yourself, that's a huge revelation. And like your brain is reshifting and changing in a lot of ways. But I think that once you get to that point, it's almost like you are clarified on the things that you have to do. And suddenly you get this energy to, that revitalizes where you need to go. And I think that same thing happened to me in many respects that like you have to study how you can refine things a bit better. And so I'm curious of the process that you took in learning how to submit, how to be more effective in that way, because there's just less time, right? Like, yeah. when do you start submitting and how do you, where's the trial and error? I guess that's where I'm getting at with this. 
Yeah, and I, and I think a lot of it might even come down to the vote of confidence from my wife, too. You know, with like, yeah. oh, I really like these pieces. You know, you should try sending them somewhere. You know, so then I was, you know, a little bit more confident because it wasn't just me that was confident about the stories then. You know, mm-hmm. maybe she, you know, I mean, I was really liked my work just in general. Um, you know, and even one of those pieces that I sent out to a magazine way back in, in college a, a I'm gonna say severely revised version is in Daydreams, um, and I really like the new piece much better than what it was before. But I think that sort of having somebody you can trust as far as you know a first reader is beneficial. Not everybody can have that, and I've said this several times before too. You know, either it's in passing to people or whatever. But you know, she doesn't always like all my work. She's really honest with me. And, and sometimes That's she's just like, best. I really dislike this piece. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know, let me know more. Why do, what do you think? You know, why do you think that or whatever? <laughs> and, and then they can try to, you know, unpuzzle where the piece could go. And then sometimes we just disagree, you know, and I, and I just keep it the way it is and then still send it out that way. And there have been times where I'm like, you know, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And I think I should, <laughs> you know, rethink this piece and, and I'll rework it. And then I'll, you know, hand it back to you and see what you think or whatever. Yeah. Um, it just goes and sometimes to that show, works well too. Yeah. It just goes to show how important it is to have that second perspective to help you push things along or to maybe push up against in some respects to, to get the right form into the story, you know, to, to make sure that you get that confidence. But I want to ask you why some people just completely loathe their work and why others are are enamored with the work. I mean, I feel like I I just f- fall in love with my work and what I have to say and sometimes that's the hardest thing to get outside of my own head and stop really believing in my own like as they would say, I get high on my own supply all the time. <laughs> it's like my favorite <laughs> thing to do because it's right. it's a release and and I really enjoy that, but how do you find the balance for that without feeling precious about anything and and just enjoying the writing, enjoying the work that you have in front of you. And then when it comes time to actually tear it apart, move on to that aspect of it without feeling like, you know, your child is getting destroyed in front of you. Yeah. That's like that whole kill your darlings thing. Right. Yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like that, you know, that was a pretty interesting process with a few pieces, um, you know, especially, you know, sort of like, whittling a couple of them for collections and sort of like kind of retooling them for collections. Um, and then actually, you know, I'm taking a piece that was published in one of the collections and sort of like kind of taking like the concept or the, like the basic concept of the idea and expanding upon it currently. And I've got about 30,000 words. So it's kind of like working toward more like a longer piece, actually. I haven't really written anything longer in like a long time. Um, sort of like the general concept. It's a little bit sort of left the center from what was actually published. But uh-huh. um, yeah, so so that's sort of interesting, too, because I'm finding that pieces of the initial story that I really liked and that was published online with a magazine that I really like and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm I'm just sort of ripping them out because they don't fit with what I put before them. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of like when reworking the storyline and sort of expanding upon it and stuff like that. And then there was a piece that sort of, I really liked where it, where it sat, you know, before I put it in oil stains. Um, and I took out like two thirds of the story just cause I felt like 
you know, in the collection, you know, the length of it was slowing down the collection in a sense. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of my thought process with that as it's yeah, been, I guess, yeah. more shifting stuff when moving it closer to, so let's say like book length stuff. Interestingly enough, most of my stuff, unless it's like the current thing I'm working on, which is like super long, but like for me at least, uh, most of my stuff comes out in like one sitting and then mm. I'll take like one or two more looks at it and then change a few things here and there. Generally not drastic changes in my opinion and then show it to my wife and that's pretty much where it goes and then it'll go out to um you know publishers so there might even be times where i write a story you know one night uh if it's super short like say a micro or something you know 300 500 words or whatever like it the next morning i might show it to her the next day and then send it out that night oh, yeah awesome. to, to be quite honest with some of the pieces yeah. um yeah. And then there'll be other pieces, you know, 5,000 words in a night or something, and then just kind of retool it the next night or whatever, and and then show it to her uh, and then send it out or, or place it in a, a, a text or whatever. Um, yeah, but I definitely feel like you're right on that, because sometimes you get so caught up in, in your own storyline, in a sense, and right. you're like, I really understand what I'm doing with this, but does it actually fit? <laughs> kind of yeah uh, and that was the hardest thing about cutting that one piece from from daydreams is because i don't i want to i don't like to say this one's one of my favorites or whatever but like you know i definitely like the story mm-hmm. and, and she liked it initially when she read it too and it was one of the earlier ones i wrote in whatever it was 2020 or whatever and and i really liked the piece and i was like but i just don't think it fits you know in the in the sort of abstract storyline or or whatever um yeah. so i just cut it she felt the same way though which i thought was pretty interesting so it's still kind of hanging out on my desktop waiting for a different collection to fit into or whatever you know (laughs) waiting for the right spot to fit or to get sent out into the world again yeah Yeah, i mean it was actually published um that one was actually published online the publisher is now defunct though so it's actually nowhere online darn it (laughs) which is unfortunate and people seem to you know the people that read it seem to like it too which was cool but oh man We'll have to check that out, you know, once it makes its way once again into the yeah, no, into right. the world. So just got a couple more questions to be mindful of your time. This has been awesome, man. And I, I really, uh, I, I dig what you're doing and your work. I'm really curious to know if there is a component in your education that you feel like you got to get out of your head before you can start writing. Like, I know it's difficult to compartmentalize, but do you think that's necessary to to get your writing done or as you said i mean there's a lot of through lines that come from education that make their way into your work whether it's like on purpose or not but do you wish it were different or do you accept that it is what it is and and you you don't believe in compartmentalization what are your thoughts on that oh okay so compartmentalizing like say uh teaching during the day versus yeah writing is that sort of okay yeah um I don't know if I'm in the minority with this, but I sort of just kind of let it go, let it, you know, let it, you know, flow in. And if, if a piece ends up being about teaching in a sense, obviously I'm not putting, you know, student names or something in there like that, you sure. know, breach it, breach of confidentiality or anything. But, you know, I've definitely had, you know, while teaching up in front of people, I've had poems come to come into my head while teaching. Oh, <laughs> and that, that that reminds me of the Spark Notes poem uh, that yeah. I that that you had on there, and I checked that one out. That was such a great moment that you captured there because it 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 is 
a constant reminder. I imagine you see this every day in the classroom of folks who just, we need the now. We need this, especially in the world that we live in. Things are moving so quickly. What do we have to learn about that? And can you tell me a bit about maybe using that poem as an example uh, of how that comes to be in some of those lessons? Yeah, totally. Um, And that poem actually came, I mean, I wrote it during my lunch break because the kid, (laughs) the kid said that before lunch. And then like, like I said, a second ago, a poem came flooding in and my brain was thinking, oh, spark notes, you know, and then somebody sort of like ruining the movie, you know, in line or whatever. (laughs) And then like, oh, photos are kind of like that. You know, you look at a photo of a vacation destination and, and then it sort of all flooded in like that. And I wrote it during my lunch break, basically. Um, And then when it got published, I told the student, I said that, that poem that you sparked, you know, got published today. (laughs) And then he asked, he asked to read it. And, you know, I, I mean, he probably still visits spark notes to be honest, but yeah, but that's, listen, that's a beautiful thing too, because I know that sometimes, I don't know if this happens in educational settings at all, but there are some educators that I've had in the past who, you know, like maybe in high school, and this was a while back, who were very much like, I am an author in my private life, and that doesn't make its way into my classroom. And maybe that's why I wanted to ask you this, because there, there's folks who feel like I'm not going to influence the classroom with the work that I'm doing outside of the classroom. And do you, I mean, I, I don't know if that's something that doesn't seem to be a concern that you have because you're, you're very open and, and I think that's a very healthy thing to do. But what are your thoughts on that? How do you think that a student who knows that you're a published author, who you're out there hustling, making your own thing happen, how do you think that affects folks who are just starting who might be interested in that? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that uh, I think that I've had a pretty decent reception with it, actually. You know, I've definitely, you know, I mean, I don't stand up in front of the room and say, you know, here's the Amazon link, go buy my book or something. (laughs) But like, you know, I've definitely, you know, introduced it as part of myself. I don't know if it adds a sense of credibility. I'm I'm not sure, you know, but it adds another layer of interest. And I think it adds another sort of like personal thing. Maybe the students can sort of grasp onto. And I've Mm. definitely had some that have read the books and have forwardly told me they've read the books, you know, and a couple of them, you ask them, you know, oh, what was your favorite piece or, or this or that? And They'll say, I like the whole thing, you know, and they won't give you the whole, you know, the whole deal, the whole nitty gritty that you want or whatever. But um, I'm actually currently teaching a creative writing class. I think it's like the first time we've had an English elective at the school in like a long time. Mm. I've got a bunch of students signed up for it. And we sort of talk about like, like this stuff all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and I'll use myself as an example, but then I'll also use, I don't want to say more credible, but like, say like more widely known people also mm-hmm. and like yeah. we're reading like parts of on writing by Stephen King and stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, and then I'll pull, uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, excerpts from interviews and stuff like that from other authors, you know, mm-hmm. about process oriented stuff or whatever. Sure. Um, so, I mean, especially in that context, I think it helps a little bit, you know, that they know that I'm actually somebody that, you know, I'm not just preaching the concept of, Oh, go and write your thing, you know, like I actually do. Yeah, uh, and I've shown them some work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. In the context of say like a say like a tenth grade English class or something, you know, I've definitely brought it up there too, and 
and say, use the spark notes poem a couple times, you know, if it seems like people are veering in that direction, you know, I won't throw any names out there or anything, but just kind of <laughs> talk about it and, and that sort of thing. Um, you know, and I've done a, I used to do, well, I used to do it more frequently, but, um, like an indie spotlight kind of like people, maybe you don't know, you know, and, and uh -huh. sort of spotlight their work. And yeah. we did a student generated questionnaire and I contacted people from Twitter and, and talked to them and said, Hey, do you want to fill out this questionnaire for me? And we can read one of your pieces in class and this and that. And the students really seemed to like it. Yeah. You know, just people I had read on on Twitter that probably nobody had ever heard of before, you know, unless they were right. following them on Twitter, you know, in a sense. But, you know, but the work is, you know, just as good as exactly. anybody else that has sold, you know, a million books or whatever, whatever the case might be, you know. Yeah. And that's um, that's what I appreciate about the way that you're approaching this is that you're offering an alternative to what younger generations or most people think success is as a writer. I mean, for me what you're doing is success as a writer. And I want to emulate that. I respect that so much because it's not just about getting the notoriety. It's about creating something that connects with people. And let's talk about Twitter for a moment though, because sure, yeah. it is, it is such a cesspool and I hate it, but I love it so much because there's so much heart in it. There's so much good there. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on, on Twitter? What has it given you personally? And, uh, and where do we go from here now that it's kind of a tainted Jeez. place to be? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I still <laughs> swear that I get less interactions than I did before the blue check thing happened, you know, cause I yeah. haven't paid for it, but, yeah. um, I don't, I don't know <laughs> if that's actually the case. Like, I don't want to spread rumors or anything, but yeah, like it, it just seems that way to me, but you know, I, I never thought that I would have you know, writing intersect with social media. And I don't know if I was just this like, you know, uninformed, you know, whatever, 30 something, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, that, that thought, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, write something and just send it. And then everybody's going to love it. I'm not going to have to, you know, do the I, I whole, I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> yeah. Talk to people about it, you know, but then the first acceptance I got, which was like, uh, it was, well, it was the first day my Twitter was set up. I think it was like February 8th or something, 2021, February mm. 8th, 2021 was when the first acceptance came in and they, and they said right in the email, they said, send us your Twitter handle. And I was like, <laughs> uh, I said, I showed my wife, I said, look, I got an acceptance. And she was like, that's awesome. And I was like, they said, send me your Twitter handle. And I was like, I'm not on Twitter, but I guess I am now. <laughs> and then that was sort of the thing. And then I didn't even know how to use it for like a long time. So I just followed a couple magazines that had published me. So I had like, you know, three or four people I followed and like five people that followed me or whatever. And then it was this really <laughs> weird thing where I wasn't like interacting with anybody for like a couple months. And then I finally got like how it worked and stuff. And then. <laughs> sort of sought out people in magazines and stuff to follow. Right. It's sort of embarrassing, but like, it was really weird. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like I owe a lot to Twitter. Um, and I have a sort of uh, a writing group. Well, we haven't done the writings for a little while, but like, uh, we have like a group chat and it's people like all over the world, basically. And we just mm -hmm. talk about writing and we had these writing workshops where we do prompts and readings and stuff like that. And it was really cool. Mm -hmm. to sort of have a kinship with people that might be 
you know, in a completely different time zone. You know, there was somebody from Australia and somebody from Indonesia and somebody from England and Ireland and, you know, East Coast U.S., West Coast U.S., all over the place, mm-hmm. Japan. Um, yeah. It was really cool, you know, and to see sort of like that common interest and sort of common goal of getting your work out there and, and doing what you love and stuff like that. So I've really seen a pretty positive side of Twitter, I think. And I think I try to keep it positive on my end, too. And that's sort of my goal, in a sense, you know, with life in general, try to keep it pretty positive. You know, some of my coworkers call me sunshine. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I try to keep it positive. And, you know, whenever I read this year, I'm trying to post every time I read a book. So I'll post like the cover or whatever, and I'll post uh-huh. a little information about it or whatever. But uh, the past couple of years, I've been trying to anytime I buy a book from somebody on Twitter, I'll try to sort of like post a Oh, look what came sort of thing, you know, <laughs> help people out if right. I can, you know? Yeah. But, so it's been pretty positive for me, but I definitely feel like let's say like the hits and stuff are a little, a little less frequent now <laughs> without the blue check, but that might be my own fault for not paying X amount for uh, it. <laughs> man. Hey, well, you know, it ends up being a racket in, in some respects, but you're doing everything you can. We're doing everything we can to keep the community alive and well. Uh, yeah. And lastly here, I am digressing just a moment to, to wrap it up here with two questions, but what do you, um, what have you been influenced by, or what are you enjoying now in terms of art or entertainment that is really driving you to the page to keep creating and, and continuing to nourish you creatively? Oh, geez. Uh, that's a great question. Cause I feel like I read, oh, geez, I feel like I read pretty widely I mean, if you look at my posts from this year, I mean, I don't know if it's as wide as I'd want it to be, but I feel like I read pretty widely. Um, you can go back too if you if you want to go to like seminal works or like big stuff that inspired you uh, when you were younger too. I mean, I'm down for those too. Yeah, I mean, I always, I just always found a drive to write, and I think I don't know if that started with like R.L. Stein. You know what I mean? For so many people, it did. I think yeah. <laughs> you know, with like Goosebumps and stuff like that. Yeah, I was just like love those books, you know. And I even got like an award in eighth grade for being like the Goosebump aficionado or something <laughs> when I was younger, <laughs> like nice, in fifth grade, nice. or sixth grade, or whatever. Um, and then of course Stephen King. Like you know, I always mention him. Like anytime I talk about you know influence, even though I don't really feel like I write like him, but mm. like I feel like. You know, he he's really made like, I mean, or sustained, you know, I think like a generation of readers. I feel like like a lot of people probably wouldn't read if they didn't read him in a sense, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, fortunate that people do read him, you know, but unfortunate that, you know, they don't pick up a whole bunch of stuff, too, at the same time. Right. But um, yeah, so I think those two have sort of carried me for a while. Uh, it's so interesting. Some of the some of the authors that. I'd always heard of and never picked up really. Uh, I've enjoyed a lot of their stuff this mm-hmm. year. Like um, read a lot of like Vonnegut this year. And mm-hmm. I feel like his sort of like in a sense, like sarcastic dark humor on like <laughs> difficult topics is pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it like really is like my work at all, really, but like uh, I find that pretty interesting. I feel like a lot of my recent work is just inspired by or like the terrible stuff going on in the world. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And like yeah. short attention spans and of course like pandemic and all that sort of stuff. I, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just so interesting. Absolutely. And then there'll be some days where I'll just be driving home and just the sun will catch 
you know, the clouds the right way or something. And then that'll inspire something somehow. It just, yeah, I just feel like it's, it's out of the blue. Sometimes it's so interesting. <laughs> um, no, that's awesome, man. I, I appreciate that. And lastly, I would like to know, and we've talked about this in, in some respects, but I'd like to hear it from in your words. How do you quantify success? What is what is success as a writer to you? And what are some challenges that you're taking on this year for your craft? Yeah, that's really good. Because uh, I'm very, I feel like I'm a very goal oriented person in general, um, and I feel like. You know, that's something that at least the last couple of years I've consciously like, you know, written down, you know, New Year's resolutions, whether it's writing related ones, whether it's whatever. And I actually posted a couple on Twitter, I think, too, for writing and reading uh, sort of um, like goals, I guess you could call them. Uh, I mean, I guess we can start with the success thing, though. I mean, I think like someone's idea of... The idea of success is shifting, I guess, in my mind. You know, like I said, um, initially, you know, you think you're just going to write something and like every single person that's going to read it is going to be like, wow, this is like the best thing ever. And then getting that, you know, first rejection, I was like, oh, you know, maybe everybody will think that it's going to be terrible. I'm not sure, you know. Uh, And then fortunately, I picked the, you know, picked the pen back up or keyboard or whatever and, uh, you know, started plugging away again because I feel like, you know, some of the things I feel like are the most meaningful are the conversations that I have with people around work, whether it's around, you know, my work. I mean, I guess that's my favorite because it's about my work and they're commenting on it and then I can comment back and talk to them about it and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, or, or even about their work and I comment on it and then we sort of have a conversation or, you know, sort say like one of the books I posted this year that I've read and somebody says, Oh, have you tried this one by them? And then we mm. get into a little spin off about that or whatever. Um, so I feel like, you know, success looks like, like that to me, like somebody being able to make a connection to my work, uh, you know, or, or coming up to me and you know, I've had even a couple of like teachers and, um, substitute teachers and students and stuff come up and say, I really like that piece. Mm. You know, where'd you come up with that piece? you should make that longer and make that into a movie. I'd watch that movie. That's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, stuff like that, you know, just like, even if it's like a brief conversation, you sort of make that kind of like personal connection for somebody and, and somebody sort of like, in a sense, gets what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and even if it's not the exact same way you thought it out, if it can be perceived that way, that's kind of like art in general. You, know, you don't really always want one interpretation. That's why I tell students all the time with literature, I say, you know, this isn't math class. You don't have to give me the same answer. You don't have to give me the spark notes answer. Give me what's in your brain, you know, <laughs> tell me what you think about the piece. And then we can go from there. Um, you know, the worst comes to worst. I can just twist it. And then it sounds like you're a genius anyways. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, some of my goals this year, uh, one of them was to sort of like curate another collection. Um, whether I, I actually send it out or not, I'm not sure yet. Uh, another one of my goals was to actually write something longer, sort of like one piece, whether it ends up being like novel length or whatever, said I wanted to write one longer piece at least, right? So right now I'm thinking that the one that I'm writing currently, I don't know, I think it might land around 40,000 words. It might be a little shy of that. I'm not sure. But uh, so I'm like a little over halfway through or so. Uh, so I think, you know, I think the goals are going pretty well. Um, 
I definitely have not submitted frequently at all this year because a lot of the creation has been embedded in that one longer piece, um, which I'm fine with. You know, so I'm going to have less posts on Twitter. I'm going to have less people seeing kind of like new stuff in a sense for me, but that's fine. Cause I think, you know, one of my goals this year, like I said, was to do something a little bit more sustained. Mm. I mean, cause that was always sort of what I gravitated toward, like I said, in uh, you know high school. And then even, you know, I wrote something that was about 30,000 words or so like a novella or whatever. And that sort of has been on the back burner for a while, second, third draft, whatever. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's floating out there. So maybe when I finish this one, I'll, go back and, and re- retool that one or something too. Mm. So, I mean, even as the year progresses, I'm sort of, you know, adapting my goals too, because I feel like the writing process of this one has actually gone pretty quickly. I thought the longer piece might take, <laughs> might take a little longer, you know, because I'd been so ingrained in the short stuff for so long, but it's actually been a pretty smooth transition actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. That's wonderful to hear. Well, man, I think this has been a wonderful time, and I know that we just scratched the surface with a lot of these conversations, but I want to thank you for the work that you're doing as a writer. You are creating these wonderful moments and uh, worlds that I really can't wait to start digging in a little bit more in some of the offerings that you already had on your link tree, and I'm going to put all that stuff in the episode description so folks check it out. But also, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing as an educator and reminding the younger generations to take their time to process and think about what they're doing and really leading through example by example and letting them know that there is a way to incorporate art and these beautiful things that we love so much into any facet of life and class, no matter where you are, you can still have a part of this art be, you know, in your life. So you're awesome, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope that we get to chat sometime down the road. Awesome. That sounds great. Yeah, this was great. Uh, you asked some really good questions and, and I always appreciate these things. I was just saying this to, um, you know, to my creative writing students the other day, you know, any chance you can get to connect with somebody, you know, being able to reflect on your own work or, you know, talk about their work or whatever the case might be. Um, you know, it's just cool. Uh, (laughs) just it's just really interesting um because everybody comes with a different set of you know thoughts and then that might spark something different and then you know sort of spinning the wheel right that's right we got to keep that wheel going but yeah uh, right yeah thanks man so much for the rescheduling and everything but uh i hope that we get to chat down the road on the internet okay cool that sounds great looking forward to it all right have a wonderful sunday talk soon yeah you too see you later bye